The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Get busy gutting or get busy dying. Hey, everybody. Kevin Goatee here, gutting the sacred cow. hoo We've got a fantastic episode. And finally, for all of you Release the Ray Cut fans, the moment is here. Ray Stekanis rejoins us to do a film that yeah, a lot of people love from the 80s. And that film is Highlander. Well... Can can Ray behead this cow? We'll find out. GuttingTheSacredCow.com every single day for fantastic blog articles. Kevin Israel and I are on a warpath with That Doesn't Happen, trailer talk, and movies we've seen, just to name a few. GuttingTheSacredCow at gmail.com is the way to get a hold of us if you want to advertise. Either just come by and say hi, Gutting the Sacred Cow on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, GTSE Podcast on Twitter. Love you to death. Here's Race to Canis doing Highlander. Gather round, here's what I know. It's just that this cow has got to go. I know some people kind of like it, yeah. Three, two, one. Can't see the line, can you, Russ? Kevin Israel named that movie. Say it again. Can't see the line, can you, Russ? Can you, Russ? Can you, Russ? It's either vacation or European vacation. I'm going to have to go vacation. Ray Stekanis is our guest today. Ray, can you name that film? Look, I'm just going to say European vacation because I have no idea, but Kevin gave two options right there and took one of them for himself. Well, shame on you because the third one is the choice, and that is Christmas vacation. Oh. That's where he's shopping the department store with the underwear and the, the, uh, the, the lingerie. Can't see the line, can you, Russ? <laughs> Kevin, go, Kevin Goatee, Kevin Israel. I thought that was an easy one. I really did. Back. We hope you're enjoying episodes like JFK, like Commando, like Raiders of the Lost Ark. Ray, can you believe someone came to this podcast and tried to take down Raiders of the Lost Ark? I mean, that is absolutely shameful. You could make an argument for Temple of Doom being a weaker and- Indiana Jones movie, but Raiders of the Lost Ark, that takes some gusto. That takes somebody who really feels it inside. It's a shame they're wrong. Well, you should listen to that episode because our guest, the winner, one of the winners of our fan contest, did a remarkable job and made a yeah. lot of fantastic you, points. You would have to. 
But we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about a film that has spanned the ages and easily has one of the worst sequels in IMDb history. <laughs> and that film is Highlander, 1986. Budget of 19 million bucks. A box office haul in the United States, 5.7, and a worldwide haul of 12 million. Now, turn mm. that into, into 2021 money, $45.2 million budget, a box office haul overall, 20.5 million. This is the first film that we've done on this podcast after 100 plus episodes that has lost money, but they greenlit a fucking yeah. sequel. And there was a third, there was a third one too. Wasn't uh, there there a was fourth. a fourth, fourth, <laughs> fourth. Oh, and a TV show, and a TV show. The TV show I'll stand behind. I enjoyed. Yeah, I, 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 Duncan McLeod was. That's like watching Kung Fu, the one, the second one when we were in high school. Like I just can't, no, I can't get into it. I never watched the, uh, the Highlander. It was. The TV show. No, I would consider a lot good. more like watching Battlestar Galactica, the new one, as compared to the original 1970s bell bottoms on the Starship Enterprise version. The new one is better in every way, and the world should just accept it. Wow. I wish I could give two shits about Battlestar Galactica, but you know, priorities. <laughs> I don't know. You bet on the Lions, sir. Don't tell me about priorities. I had a priority of losing money, Ray. What do you think that was? <laughs> Ray, don't let goatee geek shame you. Yeah, oh, it's impossible. Look, I wear my geekdom on both sleeves and my nose at the same time as I wipe geek snot all down my arms. <laughs> How cute. IMTV is a scale, as we all know, one through ten with decimal points. Ray Sicanus from the Who Would Win show, big fans of ours. And likewise, what did Highlander Score on the old IMDb. I, look, it's got to be higher than it truly deserves. I'm going to guess a six point seven. Kevin Israel, that's a good pick. That's a that's a that's a solid guess. I'm gonna get, I'm gonna go uh, lower and say six one. Seven one. Seven huh. one. See, I it does. Oh lord, it does not deserve to be over seven on any. See, the thing about Highlander, I'm just going to go ahead. And no, 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 right no, 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 no. I want to kill this movie. No, no, no. You wait your <laughs> Don't turn. Don't hold me back. Don't hold me back. You wait your turn. Critics, uh, sorry, Rotten Tomatoes, as we know, is a scale one through one hundred on the old uh, percentage score. Kevin Israel, the critics, Highlander score, if you please. <laughs> Six. Sixty. Uh, race to Canis. I'd go 55. I just can't see critics getting behind this crap. I can't wait to say this number. Oh 70. Wow. Oh, really? That's how, it got That's how a sequel got greenlit. No, it's because someone got caught with fucking pedophile pictures of the studio head and go, ah. <laughs> the quickening. That's what it's going to be called, right? Or this goes to the press. Race to Canis, the audience Rotten Tomato score, if you please. Oh, that's going to be much higher. That's probably banking around 80 because people are dumb. People are dumb. Kevin Israel, the score hey, for you. Ray's jumping all over my numbers. I'm going to go 85. 79. Not bad. Not yeah, bad. Yeah. One away. Well done, Ray. Quotes. Well, there's the obvious. There can be only one. And this next one kind of flummoxes me. I peed my kilt the first time I went into battle. Now, peeing your kilt, isn't that, the, isn't that the easiest pair of undergarments that could be removed so you would not have to piss yourself? Yeah, you typically don't wear anything under a kilt. 
Right. So how yeah, I would you think be- you just point downwards right. and you avoid that problem whatsoever. Unless someone had a morning boner with pee, then you just go in the shower, right? As we all do. No, you just I'm go the only one. Ventura. <laughs> I'm a shower peer. Uh, Kevin Israel quotes for you. Not the not the most quotable movie. Highlander. No, no. The only thing I got was why Russell, you cruising for a piece of ass. I thought about writing that one down. <laughs> Uh, hey, hey, Ray Stekanis, how about you? Any quotes jump it's out there? It's so buddy? funny because my one quote from this movie, I might have stolen Kevin's numbers, but he stole my quote <laughs> because it is, to me, the most memorable line from this movie, which is regrettable because it follows gay slurs just used out in the open because we're in the 1980s here. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's right. I, 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 have, I have notes on that. Five <laughs> fun facts. Five fun facts, 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 five fun facts. You want to take a guess who the role was initially offered to? Which 50 people could I name first? I'd say what? There's no way this guy was first. Huge in the 80s. And then when I tell you the movie that he turned down to do, you're going to go like this. Yes. Jean-Claude Van Damme. I'm going to no. say Dolph Lundgren. Dolph no. Lundgren probably got an offer. No. Bigger? Bigger? Uh, for the 80s? Uh, pretty big. Not like uh, that, though. Go ahead. Horshack. Did Horshack <laughs> get an offer? Yeah. It, it, was, uh, it was Boom Boom, Freddie Boom Boom Washington. No. The answer is Kurt Russell because Goldie Hawn said, don't do this. And what did Kurt Russell do instead? Bird on a wire? Big Trouble, Little China. Oh, uh, good, yeah. good call, Kurt. Yes. That's a great fucking film. That's one of the best movies. You got your goddamn right. Can you imagine if he did that, if he did this film instead? Ah, you know, Connor McCloud always says at a time like this, who? Connor McCloud, me. Old Connor always says there could be only one. No offense to anything, though. If Kurt Russell did this movie and, and Christopher Lambert did Big Trouble in Little China, Box offices flip immediately. Kurt Russell makes this watchable, and and poor Christopher tanks Big Trouble in Little China. I wait, just so, want to see. I just want to see Kurt Russell do a Scottish accent. Wait, Beautiful. wait till you hear the names of those who also were approached. Oh boy, I'm going to blow your minds away. Mark Singer from Beastmaster. Never saw that film, okay. by the way. Okay. Never saw Beastmaster. No, oh, that was you never. That was- you, you never saw True Romance. So don't look at me with those piercing <laughs> eyes. That's right. That's right, Ray. Kevin Israel has never seen True Romance, and he's on a film podcast. Hmm? I mean, that's not honestly. That's that's not that egregious to me. Thank I mean, you. I think having seen Wait, True okay. Romance is better than seeing True Romance. Okay, you know what I'm saying. Ray Sicanis. Kevin Israel has not seen Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Now you're starting to hit me a little in the mm-hmm. grungies right now. <laughs> that <laughs> one. That one's a little mm-hmm. bit of a pants shot. But I will. Eye. But I will, because it's on this podcast. Now, Mark Singer, ready for this one? Mel Gibson. Sure. I mean, that makes complete sense. Right after uh, the Road Warrior, Mad Mad Max Max movies? Absolutely. Michael Douglas. Oh, I wish. This is before. I would have loved to see that movie. Before before fucking Wall Street, too. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Costner. I mean, he was being offered literally every role in the 80s, so that's fine. Tom Hanks, I'm sure, too. And if you say Tom Hanks, you're going to kill me right now. Sting. Sting would have been great. I assume the, the musician, not the wrestler. Yeah. yeah. Oh, <laughs> shit. I just assumed you meant the wrestler. And Mickey Rourke. Mickey Rourke. Now, yeah. ready for this movie. 
ready for you talk about the crossover meta discussion i'm about to tell you right now okay Here, here's the most insane thing about this so mel gibson was told, did not do this ready christopher lambert was offered the role of martin riggs and turned it down oh can you imagine that <laughs> can you imagine trying to break his, his shoulder out of a, a straight jacket i bet i i would i'll go out on a limb and say it, lethal weapon wouldn't have gotten a sequel no no, it would have gotten three at least because this did. I mean, that's the thing about it. We will make fun of him for this, but this is the movie that made his career. He's not playing Lord Raiden. This movie was his career. Mortal Kombat. Uh, Mortal Kombat, Lord Raiden is his second movie. And mm. the underappreciated Subway. The Hunted and The Hunted he did too. That Thank was after. That was terrible. See, I, he's done some things. They just aren't on the level of Highlander, which unfortunately tells you where his career went. Number two, Clancy Brown wanted to wear what? a bowler hat and a suit instead of dressing like a punk rocker as Kragen. So basi- awesome. Be- because basically he wanted to dress up like odd job. Yeah. Here's the deal. I didn't think I could love Clancy Brown anymore. He's the one spot of this movie. Flawless, pristine, perfect. F- bowler hat would have been better. Baller. Ball, bowler would have been baller. That's it. The finale was supposed to take a top, take place atop of the Statue of Liberty, but other films like Reno Williams already did this. Never saw that film, by the way. And other films have that. He didn't want to, so they want to copy it. So the guy, the director, Russell Mulcahy, he was driving into the city, saw Silver Cup, Silver Cup Studios, and go, oh, let's do it there. Great. Number four. The battle scenes had plenty of extras who would drink a ton of booze during lunch breaks, which necessitated a full-blown medical team and tent to deal with the accidents with swordplay. <laughs> Sounds like an awesome set to be on. Yeah. And by the way, all these kids, a lot of them were University of Edinburgh kids from college. But so, can you... Number five, consider for the role of Ramirez before Connery was cast. Uh, I tell you what, there's five names. I'm going to try to guess for one of them. Uh, let's see here. Two are, hu- two are huge names. Two are pretty big names. And the fifth one's an old school name. I'm George guess. Burns. No, That's George Burns. Not bad. That's an old school name. Uh, Zeppo, I mean, Zeppo I Marks. They wanted to give it to an actual Spaniard. So maybe Antonio Banderas. He wasn't not, fucking. Not in the was 80s. It was in the 80s. Wasn't he was he like 12. Out? Dude, he I did. think 12-year-old Antonio could have pulled it off. What are you talking about right now? He, he did Puss in Boots. He's fine. <laughs> Madonna was raping him in Truth or Dare, the movie, if you recall. Consider for the role. This is the old one. Lee Van Cleff. Oh, sure. Lee, yes, Big Lee. Yep. Malcolm McDowell. I mean, still not a, still not a Spanish name. <laughs> well, it gets less and less Spanish. Clint Eastwood. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, dear. So they're... There's the quickening, all right? And there can be only one. You looking at my sword? Yeah. <laughs> you have to remember that I take three swipes or four swipes with my broadsword. Do you feel lucky? That's great. Next one, uh, and less and less Spanish, Gene Hackman. I could have dug Gene Hackman in that role, not going to lie. Yeah, that actually, a- that, I would have, yeah. Gene yeah, Hack- make a lick of sense, but I would have loved it. Gene Hackman, second most infectious laugh of all actors I have seen. Only second to John Candy. It's fair. Thank you. Fair statement. Thank you. Uh, next one, Peter O'Toole. <laughs> oh, oh, Jesus. And everyone's favorite now recently retired actor and Alfred Pennyworth, Michael Caine. 
See, I could have dug Michael Caine in that role, too. I mean, that's the thing is, like, Sean, oh, I've got things to say. We'll okay. say it later. We'll say it later. And now it is time for a brand new segment we have to introduce to Race to Canis, and that is yes, Ask a Gutter. Okay. So this is where our fans write us and have questions for you to ask. So... Oh, Guama Harristonel, you you lovable scamp. She wants to know to you, Ray, who would win, Jon Snow or Aragorn? It has nothing to do with Highlander, but because I like you so much, Guama, we'll allow it. I mean, it's a sword question. I think that's it's on the level. I would go, of course, with Aragorn. Jon Snow lost a heck of a lot of battles. And let's not forget, he got stabbed repeatedly by all of his own men for the watch so you got to go with aragorn whose mystical survival proper properties are absolutely off the charts he's a king and a ranger sorry john you're out of shape here second that never watched game of thrones chris orlando asks uh the modern day miracle is seeing how christopher lambert got not one not two but four movies out of this mm-hmm. that's more of a statement but that uh blake fulton who did Raiders of the Lost Ark on our very podcast. Is there a better hulking, brutish-style villain than Kurgan? And if so, who? Ooh, that's a good question. Here's the deal. Again, Clancy Brown is always going to be nailing it. I would argue Kane, the wrestler in that one horror movie, pulled it (laughs) off magically. Magically. Follow up. And who would you play? And who would you cast to play Conor McLeod, Ramirez, and Kurgan in a modern-day remake? Ooh. Oh. Blake's on his game. This is a this this is a whole podcast episode, isn't it? <laughs> Boy, uh, I go. You know what? I go pure MCU right here. You give me Tom Holland as the Highlander and Robert Downey Jr. as the Sean Connery, whatever the hell his name is, role. And I don't even care if it makes no sense at all. I'm watching. <laughs> Boy, does that make no sense? Especially little wafy fucking Tom Holland. My God, what happened is. Um, is uh who's the guy who's the wafy guy we always make fun of kevin the guy who's in dune coming out timothy uh chalamet chalamet is uh. he, was he busy is that what's going on tom holland both those two okay uh delvin cox our mutual friend i have a question for almighty ray do you think the highlander tv show is better than the movies i've been saying this for years but i've been kind of alone in the process already answered the answer is well yes The TV show was wonderful. The TV show had wonderful characters, a great story, and actually, like, was made by people who knew how to make uh, art, and therefore much better than this. Ken Bourne Turner, another fan of yours and ours, he's going up to the Highlander, the first, right? Like, part two, three, or four would qualify for this esteemed podcast. Shame on you, Ken. I took a history of film class in college. They used Highlander to show the great use of fate always in transitions. Okay, we're going to get all nitty-gritty on this one, Ken. Uh, I mean, here's the deal. If the best thing you could say about the movie is they really wiped well, I just have to say maybe your statement says volumes. You know who else wiped well? Me, about an hour and a half ago. Uh, for Almighty Ray from Brandon Oglesby, the Newark Knight, we love him and we love the Brandon recaps. For Almighty Ray, what is your biggest gripe against Highlander, that it's overrated or the special effects don't hold up? I suspect this will be answered in your argument. Yeah, there's a lot in my argument about to come. Let's just say it's a little bit of column A, B with an extra C, D, E, F, and G. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Ray's never at a loss for words. I love it. Oh, Rex Crumb, another big fan of ours. How much worse or better would Highlander have been if Oliver Stone had directed it? Oh, better. 
my gosh, much better. Look, I would have absolutely loved an Oliver Stone uh, conspiracy-themed Highlander movie where you're chasing Kevin Costner, I'll say it, Kevin Costner pulling a, a, a national treasure kind of a thing, except there's immortals fighting each other at every one of these monuments. Somehow, no, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't have to. It's Oliver Stone. <laughs> Try watching Scarface now. It's an absolute tedious chore. For Ray from Lord Snurts, as we're a fan of his, as, as ours, a portal to medieval Skyland opens, and you are forced to join a battle. You get to pick two wrestlers to be your partners in arms. Who do you choose? Two wrestlers to be your partners in arms in a medieval Scottish battle. I want to make sure I have this right, because the obvious answer here, because I'm going old school, you got to go with Hawk and Animal, the Legion of Doom. They already have armor already set up. They already what have Thank you. They are, they are here, and they're going to intimidate. They're going to intimidate our enemies to the point where we might not even have to battle at all. I had on my list the Blue Meanie and Doink, and uh, as an alternate, the Blue Blazer. Because you wanted to get them killed in the battle? Is that what we're talking about? Because yeah. oh, Goatee wants to get killed in the battle. <laughs> yeah. I, I, will go, I will go realistic so I might actually have a chance in this battle. Ken Shot, Shamrock, Brock. and Brock Lesnar. All of it! See, I, I, I did have on my list Brock Lesnar and Andre the Giant because that is just massive man. And uh, those two guys, especially the Nordic theme versus the, uh, the Highlanders, that's a nice little, that's a nice little battle. <laughs> Next... Uh, Wicked Awesome asks, says, Highlander is terrible. What is there to gut? Wicked Awesome, stay tuned. Uh, and Xyphos writes back, yes, Highlander is terrible. Terribly entertaining, that is. I mean, that's the thing about this movie. Look at that audience score. Would we say it was 79? That means that there is a ton of people out there who don't just enjoy this movie. They think this is a good movie. Therefore, perfectly eligible for this i'll go ahead and just say this one statement out the top when i tell people oh i don't much care for highlander they say oh yeah the sequels were terrible and i say no 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 the first highlander because the thing is i all saw it them. and i hated it yeah. i saw it and i hated it and i said this is drek how do you all like this it's like that uh what is it rick and morty line don't you boo me i've seen what you cheer for i understand absolutely but the thing is when you say I never saw the second one. Hold on. I, I think we're getting ahead of it. We're getting ahead of it. No, no, no. no. I just want to say right now, when people say, and it's, this is the same about The Matrix as well, when people say, oh, yes, the sequel was not as good as the first one, and I go, the first one was dog shit. No, I don't need to see any of the sequels. You now, just told me all I need to know. Well, you had me until there, because anyone who thinks, well, we'll get into it, but I, I'll assume that, the, that we Third can love it. Third time on the show. <laughs> the Matrix has been done already by Don Jameson. Then I'll do the sequels. Won't count. <laughs> Kevin Israel, the man is dying. Jesus, uh, he's already done half no, his you argument. You didn't ask me the best question that was asked on Twitter. We're not going to. This part. That's We're not a going. great question, and I have answers prepared. Which what question was? So, which If we replaced uh, Kurgan with a female. Of the oh, age. they're right. I'm sorry. That's great question. Great. Go ahead. We went, go ahead and ask me the question. Pit me to it, and I'll answer. If the Kurgan was cast as female in 1986, who would have gotten the part, and why? Is it Leah Thompson from Howard the Duck kind of uh, era we're talking here? That is, and that's not a that's not not my favorite answer right there. But if we replace Kurgan with a female, we we, we gender swapped that character, and Kurgan, played by Clancy Brown, I said before, is delightful. But if we were to recast Kurgan with a female of the 80s, I have four answers here. I have one. I'll I think ahead. 
I think we have the same one. I'll show. I'll write it's, down. It's choice. very possible. I don't think we do though. I'm going to say right now. I'm going to go from four to one. Who I think should have gotten the role? Number okay. four, Sigourney Weaver. Good call. She was doing everything back in the '80s. She's tall. Uh, she could have absolutely had the acting chops to pull it off. Uh, second off, I would have gone with Sean Young. I think Sean Young, perhaps she's got the crazy kind of eyes about her. I mean, we remember her from Ace Ventura. Was that 90, 91, a few 93. years later? 93. Was that the first yes, one? Yes, it was. Yep. One? First well, one. 90, 95 is uh, part we're all, two. We're all very old. But I think she could have pulled it off as a younger take on the character. Number two, Kathleen Turner. Kathleen Turner has the gravitas about her. She's got the deep voice. So when she got would have gotten her throat slashed in the movie, it could have made maybe no difference whatsoever as far as that smoky voice goes. But number one on the list of 80s actresses who should have played Kurgan, Grace Jones. Grace Jones in that oh, role would have been sick, would have been dynamic, and she would have kicked 10 types of ass. I have a, I, I, I'm going to say mine is better, and I wrote down... Brigitte Nielsen. That's what I was going to say. Brigitte That's what Nielsen. I was going to say. Damn That's it. the end. There you go. Brigitte See? <laughs> I, think I, I, I think I went up to you on that one, pal. I think I did. I would just put a poll up. We'll just let the people decide. Brigitte Nielsen or Grace Jones. I think the people who know would pick Grace Jones. I think the people who know think they know drink Mountain Dew Code Red. Don't we all? No, we don't. Mr. Fago, the uh, Juggalos. No, are we going to talk about the insane clowns again? No, no, Can I do a possible no, time on this show no. without mentioning the insane clown no, posse? I, Did you know that they performed <laughs> Juggalo Championship Wrestling, one of the greatest DVDs you will ever hope to bootleg? Go find it if you're a fan of anything. <laughs> a fan of anything. <laughs> you do you like work? cat knitting? Go watch you're Juggalo love, Wrestling. I love JCW. I'm going to promise you that right now. Are you a fan of, if you don't have a job, boy, this is the way to kill eight hours a day. Main All event right. for Kevin Guti is Violent J and Two Dope, the Insane Clown Posse, in a tag team match against Doink the Clown and Doink the Clown. Two oh. Doink the Clowns. You can't tell me you're not interested. Yeah, this, is a, this, this is the bizarro world I might have to fall into. <laughs> Kevin Israel, the man's dying. Let's just yeah. let's just let's just let's just excuse the formalities and let's race to Canis gut the, the sacred, sacred cow. Let's talk about a little movie called Highlander. Now, the greatest part about this movie, I would argue the best thing that they possibly could have put in a Highlander movie, and the part that I had for completely forgotten about walking in the door was we open with a free birds wrestling match. We open with a three on three professional wrestling show and cut to one of the most hyped audiences I've seen since Hulk Hogan fought the rock at WrestleMania. What was that? 18. What a show. What an event. What an audience, but except for one, one guy, Christopher Lambert, the Highlander who went to a wrestling show to not have fun. First off, you have to you have to save the cat in this business. You have to give me a reason to like you. When you have one of the coolest uh, multi-tag teams on the planet of the 1980s doing their act, and you're going to be a sourpuss in the audience, you already got one strike against you as far as I'm concerned. Two strikes happen immediately as he walks into the parking garage to have his weird and terrible fight. And what is he? This can't have been an 80s style, but his jeans didn't fit. There's a huge bulge around his goddamn ankles, and you look around at every other person in this movie. Everyone else's jeans fit. 
Did Christopher Lambert piss off the customer? Did we want an uncool character who not only doesn't like wrestling, doesn't own pants that fit? This is an outrage right out the bat. So here we go. We open up with a fight scene. We open up with a big old fight scene in a parking garage. Should be cool, except for the fact they cast what appeared to be a 55-year-old innkeeper to be the man in the fight against him, a man with no sword ability whatsoever, a man whose double is a Cirque du Soleil character who can only do backflips like Simone Biles through the entire thing. Now, who are these backflips for? I would ask the question. They're not for fighting because he has to put the sword down to freaking do it. So he uh, fights Christopher, gets overmatched, gets his sword knocked out of his hand, then does 25 backflips backwards, and then giggles from the darkness. <laughs> I was begging not only that Christopher Lambert would cut this guy's head off, that he would cut my head off as well, so I wouldn't have to watch any more of this nonsense. Nobody in this movie can fight. I'm just going to go ahead and say it right now. One of the things that my Who Would Win co-host James Gavsey told, I had to remember his name. I just going to say, how do you forget his name? And on, on his birthday, how sad. I know. <laughs> One of the things my Who Would Win co-host James Gavsey told me about the fight was, I said to him, this is the darkest, most poorly lit movie I've ever seen in my entire life. And he goes, do you know why that is? Because nobody learned how to fight. Nobody bothered in this action movie to learn how to use a sword. So therefore, they wanted the lights as dim as possible to mask the fact that all the motions are abjectly terrible. Uma Thurman in Kill Bill holds a sword with more conviction as her hand wobbles around the screen than any swordsman in this entire movie. Save Clancy Brown. He's a perfect man. <laughs> so after... After Christopher Lambert decapitates this bozo, he has an eight-minute orgasm. I'm sorry. Hold on. <laughs> the quickening, which is a big O so hard, it's blowing out the lights around him and turning on car alarms. Look, I've been 19 <laughs> once. I remember those days. I remember setting off a car alarm or two in my day. But it's not appropriate. It's not appropriate that it goes on for that long. You must, have had, you, decency. you must have had a vicious jerk session to set those car, car alarms off, right? Listen, <laughs> a, a lady doesn't tell. <laughs> so She doesn't fact, touch you either. No, I mean, let's, zing. Let's, once again, I was 19. Uh, <laughs> nothing's changed. My point is, there were several points in the movie I was terrified that my TV backlight had gone out because all of a sudden I couldn't make out a single shape on the screen. I'm just saying in order to in order to enjoy a movie, one has to be able to see a movie. Now, I had actually forgotten. Oh, excuse me. I compare the opening sequence of this movie because then we go back to medieval Scotland and it just is basically Braveheart. This is paving the way for what Braveheart is going to look like and sound like. So it's basically just like Braveheart. If people kept walking in front of the camera over and over and over again while you were trying to shoot the people in the background. you got to hire extras who are professional extras. You can't just have family on set who keeps standing, obscuring half of the screen. It's dark enough, everybody. You don't need to be standing in front of the screen. You are not a filter. You are an extra. <laughs> know your role. Let's cut over to the police station because Christopher Lambert's been arrested. And what happens? Everybody's hostile towards him, but not quite so hostile. He's white. Let's keep it real. This is the 1980 <laughs> New York City. People are just generally eh, mostly ambivalent, except for one particular cop who's a big fan of gay slurs and starts throwing them at him, leading to the most understood, the most memorable line from the movie, which is really unfortunate for a sweeping epic 
that the one move, the one line anybody remembers is you're cruising for a piece of ass. And let's talk about the accents for just a sec here. <laughs> we'll get to some of it in a sec, but let's not forget all of these characters are supposed to be what Scottish and everybody does a reasonable job in the past. I believe that you're from Scotland and then you drop massively French Christopher Lambert. You might as well have put goddamn Pepe Le Pew in this role. He's equally as Scottish and equally as convincing. And heck, we haven't gotten to him yet. But Sean Connery, Sean Connery playing, what was he, a Scotsman? Uh, I'm sorry, Sean Connery playing a Spaniard. But don't worry, he's really Egyptian. That's why he's the only goddamn person who sounds like he's from Scotland. What is happening in this movie? You could have made that character Scottish. You could have made the other one French and here on vacation, and we would have been fine. We would have been absolutely fine. So we go into more fight scenes right here because all of a sudden a big fight breaks out at the police station, and I've seen middle school choreography for our town that had more convincing fight scenes in it, better slapping action, better shoving action, better literally any kind of action whatsoever. As long as there's two people on that ladder, it's our town, and I'm happy. Huzzah. (laughs) So, back to the past, and we find out that Christopher Lambert has died in battle, and he's come back from the dead. Most people would think that's a pretty good thing. Most people would think, oh, you're a loved one, you're a compatriot. No, they call him the devil. They beat the hell out of him, put him in a pillock, and his homeboy has to save him from town. I would only argue, yes, people were dumb back then as far as their backwards religious views go. Yes, if they saw something they didn't understand, If it benefited them, it was a gift from God. If it benefited literally anybody else, it's the devil at work. Not okay with this. I could have used a little less superstition in my movie about immortals who use swords to cut each other's head off. Make this secular. Make Highlander secular. Hashtag make my Highlander secular. Now we go ahead and we meet... We meet Sean Connery. It's 30 minutes into the movie at this point. Sean Connery, iconic role. They brought him back for a sequel because... Fuck you. That's why. And we, how long was Sean Connery in this movie? Maybe one of the other exciting things, 30 minutes. The man barely survived 30 minutes of this movie. He made a million bucks for seven days of work, seven days of work, seven minutes on screen. Here, as I can it. Tell. Uh, another favorite thing. Well, we have racism earlier. Let's have racism against Vietnamese. Now let's talk about eating dogs in our night. I remember that line. <laughs> why the heck not? If we're going to go for it, I guess go, just go full on hog. Go, I mean, go full on Daily Stormer, I guess, if you have to, Highlander. Let's just say I did not care for it here on my end. And we, we, we cut to Connor McLeod, and he's sitting there in his posh New York apartment. Look, he's an immortal. I guess he saved a lot of cash. I guess he invested uh, in IBM back in the day. I don't exactly know how he's able to afford this, given that he has a very unsuccessful antiques business. But the one thing that he saves money on is fish tank cleaner, because the man has the dirtiest fish tank I've ever seen anywhere. And that includes post-apocalyptic movies and television shows. Christopher Lambert, you might live forever, but your fish will not. Take care of them, for God's sakes. Moving forward, we cut back to time. Kurgan has now found the castle where everybody's trying to hang out, everybody's trying to live, everybody's trying to have a good time. So we have a beautiful fight scene between Kurgan and Sean Connery, the Spaniard. I don't care about his name, neither should you. We all know it's just Sean Connery. Quite honestly, if this movie had any balls at all, they just would have named the character Sean Connery and just (laughs) gone from there. Or James Bond. 
You know what? If they called him Bond, James Bond, I actually think I would have gotten behind that as well. So Sean Connery and Kurgan, Clancy Brown, genius. Nothing bad to say about him. They're fighting up and down the stairs. Meanwhile, people off screen are throwing fake giant bricks at them. Perfectly formed, cut out bricks are being dropped from the heavens in the middle of this wonderful fight scene. They end up tearing down the entire castle. What's truly amazing about this is Kurgan kills Sean Connery. Great. I literally just gave you a half hour of the movie, and the only memorable thing was a fish tank. Keep that in <laughs> mind. Sean Connery gets killed. Kurgan gets his own big O moment getting the quickening. This castle has been mostly destroyed, and somehow, somehow, Kurgan can't find Christopher Lambert, Connor McLeod, anywhere to be seen. It's a wide open field with a rundown castle with one room in it, but he can't find him. Christopher Lambert, one, do better. Protect your family. Second off, Clancy Brown. I'm just kidding. I have nothing bad to say about you whatsoever. (laughs) People who enjoy the movie Highlander, I'll tell you what they really enjoy about Highlander is not uh, the immortals. It's not the sword fights. What they enjoyed about the Highlander was they enjoyed feeling what it was like to be 15 years old when they first saw Highlander. They were sitting there feeling like they would live forever. They sat around at the age of 15 thinking they knew everything, thinking they had some secret angle on the world. And then this movie comes out and presents those ideas for them on a silver plate. What they do not love about Highlander is the fact that it's a 45-minute police investigation that ultimately goes nowhere and is never solved. That's the part they conveniently leave out when it comes to Highlander. Cutting forward, we are now 75 minutes into this two-hour sweeping epic, and we're introduced to a brand new character. And it's a brand new character who everybody apparently knows and everybody is friends with because they don't say it. All the Highlanders are being pulled to New York City for this big final Armageddon, Kumite, Mortal Kombat tournament between them all. That's a great idea on paper, except for the fact that we're introduced to a character... 75 minutes in and then at roughly 85 minutes in he's also just murdered he is literally introduced to be fodder for our villain if you're going to do that at least point to him around the 30 25 minute mark of the movie that's screenwriting 101 for all you kids at home thinking about taking up the trade introduce the character more than 75 minutes into the movie how about 78 minutes into the movie because i timed it the goddamn punisher shows up there is a back alley sword fight between Kurgan and this brand new character who we just met, who everyone's best friends with and is totally not going to be dying in the next scene. The goddamn Punisher shows up, whose apparently motivation is he's a white guy in the 80s in New York City, armed to the teeth, looking for sword fights in back alleys so he can open fire on everybody. Nobody seems to remember this about the Highlander either. Motivations and characters that are tacked on that make no sense whatsoever that are introduced far too late in the narrative to make any sense at all. Ends up, Kurgan kills our new friend. He has his next big quickening all over the place, like all over the walls, all over the ceiling. He shoots it up on a balcony at one point. It's, it's really upsetting. So now that we've had this exciting moment, we've now set the stage, right? We know that it's going to be Kurgan. We know that it's going to be Connor McLeod. Even the slow people watching this movie can figure out these are the last two people who have to fight. But oh no, it's only 85 minutes in. We still have another half hour to go. So let's just follow the cops for a while. Let's do some computer work. Let's do some law and order, but the 1987 version of law and order, brand police detecting. What a delight. Gives us our final moment. And the one that everybody kind of remembers is the big church scene. The big church scene. 
This is where Kurgan inexplicably shaves most of his hair, but leaves giant strands sticking out from everywhere, which I don't believe was an appropriate hairstyle in the 80s. But I'm going to go ahead and assume in this particular year, at this particular time, at this particular moment in history, it was because Clancy Brown can do no wrong. (laughs) Did I mention that before? What a mensch that guy is. So here we go. We are in the final fight right now. We had some stupidness at the church. We had some swear words. They can't fight each other. Kurgan doesn't follow the rules anyway, so I'm not sure why he even cares. But here we are. We're on the, we're on the rooftop of that one building. What was the building you said it was? Silver Cup Studios in Queens. Is that famous in New York? I'm not yeah, a native yeah, New Yorker. Yeah, so they shoot a lot of stuff. Well, they shot this, that's for sure. Um, <laughs> they beheaded it, I think you meant to say. Well, this final fight scene. Now, as I said before, most of this movie is generally too dark for words, too dark for vision. I might be getting older, but I felt this way when I was in high school as well. And my vision, okay, it was still terrible back then. But my point is, it's super, super dark. And the reason why it's dark is because we're given a climactic sword fight scene that is the rough equivalent of two four-year-olds on Christmas morning fighting with paper towel, fighting with cardboard (laughs) tubes from wrapping paper. (laughs) Except one of them is Christopher Lambert, Mortal Kombat's Raiden, and the other is Clancy Brown. Again, genius. (laughs) Infallible Clancy Brown, his name should be, right? Absolutely, absolutely. So here we go. The movie ends. We get our big climactic finish. There could be only one. He blows out the entire room he's in because they fight in a nondescript office building with no furniture in it. Because what could be more exciting in a movie that has sweeping visuals of, of practice sword fighting on cliff sides of the Scottish Highlands and goes to the rooftop of New York City landmarks. Where else would we want to finish this off than a studio? Great. Great job, team. You really brought that point home. And then we just get album covers. He just kind of drives away. <laughs> he gets he ends up getting with the lady cop who you might have met i never even mentioned once this entire movie there's a subplot with a lady cop who inexplicably is following him around she doesn't trust him and then all of a sudden when she's at her most vulnerable she just reaches out and starts making out with him why he's got long hair i don't know why does he even have long hair at this point who cares she knew he had it at one point and that's all that the ladies really care about the crazy thing to me is as this oh by the way she dresses like Mick Foley. I don't think I mentioned this, but <laughs> she walks around dressed like Mick Foley for about two thirds of this movie, and nobody knows this is pre Hell in a Cell. So absolutely nobody <laughs> cares. Everybody's fine with it. People are like, "Oh, Mick Foley, he must have ripped off her look." Interesting. Did you, when they were when, when they were ready to have romantic encounters, did she look at him and go bang bang? Oh, absolutely. She looked. She looked right at him. She gave him the bang, bang, and then put on that mankind face mask. Put the, the mandible claw. Put, oh, yeah. put, the, put Sako on her arm and said, I'm ready for the mandible claw. I think you all just nailed it right there. Now, my favorite weird moment of a movie with a lot of weird moments is the fact that it's all over. And how do we end it? With a montage of everyone laughing. Every character in this movie sounds like one died horribly. Let's have a montage of the good old days. The end. Look, the best thing about this movie was the Queen song at the beginning. It really set the stage that remained empty for the next two hours (laughs) as this movie failed to provide anything of merit, entertainment, or value. Check that. There was one great thing about this movie besides the Queen song. Clancy Brown. Let's give it up for Clancy Brown single-handedly trying to save this pile of dog shit from the fire hose taking it to the sewer. 
if it is real, I dare say that Race to Canis is the most theatrical, animated guy we've had. I stand in awe of you, sir. Him and Bill Schultz, I'd love to see have a, a one-off with each other. Those two would just duke it out with the most eloquent language and, and, and animated behavior we could ever aspire for our gutters to have. So, uh, listen, the, the attempt is there now. Did we agree with you or not? But these notes, though, are brought to you by guttingthesacredcow.com. We get a sweet-ass shirt like I'm wearing right now. That's it, guttingthesacredcow.com. Hats, bags, shirts, mugs. We're seeing Ray is going to do a striptease for us. How cute. Everything. <laughs> Blogs. Where'd he go? I don't know. I'm still going to get my plugs. Here he comes. And you of course- plugs. This is a perfect time to go grab a Gatorade. My <laughs> voice is killing me right now. Your you poor neighbor. You know your how poor neighbors for half an hour does to human beings that aren't us, Kevin Guti. You're, you're, I can't wait to see your manifest. And you, I hope you record an audiobook version of it before you decide to check off this lovely planet we call Earth. <laughs> GuttingTheSacredCow.com. There you have it. Notes. If you didn't know this is an 80s movie, the second that Queen soundtrack hit, that should clue you right in. This is an instant clue that feathered hair and puffy jackets are soon on the horizon. Stallone must have watched this movie when writing Rocky Four and said music montages. I think I'll give this a go. Now, what if Rocky had a broadsword and wanted to cut off Drago's head and then he could yell, there can be only one. Who wears a hockey mask to a wrestling match? Just like, yeah, just like very popular. Just like this, just like who wears Darth Vader helmets to a football game besides garbage Raiders fans. I mean, again, it's, it's still Raiders fans. You answered yes, both questions I know. with the same answer. V- very, very I'll, I'll tell you a story about that in a minute. Never mind. Uh, the last time you saw Christopher Lambert, he's playing a Japanese god in Mortal Kombat. So let me get this right. A Swissman is playing a Scotsman, and Connery's a Scotsman playing a Spaniard. Got it. Sparks fly when a sword hits a car. This isn't a lightsaber, people. Now you know what kind of fuckery that we're in, for, in store for for this film. <laughs> Who does backwards somersaults while wearing a business suit without a leotard and Larry Nassar's finger in their asshole? Jesus Christ. <laughs> I wasn't ready for that. I, good. I was glad. I got a spit nope. take. Not often right. you can get a Larry Nassar, Nassar reference in a podcast about films. You're just not like, trying hard enough, Kevin. Bullshit. I sure did. <laughs> Israel's not trying hard enough. Why sit through that wrestling match and then wait to have the fracas in the parking lot? And how the hell did McLeod know the other immortal would be in said parking lot? There's no, hmm, let's send a carrier pigeon out there, pre-email, pre-text. It's like, hey, 7 o'clock, MSG, 33rd and 7th garage. LOL. Eggplant Thank emoji. You. Can I, can I even add to that, Kevin? Because that's you a may. great point I hadn't considered. Thank Why you. go in the wrestling match if you hate wrestling? Yeah. Like you are the only purpose to go in there is to be entertained right. before your sword fight. But right. you hate that. I mean, like it'd be the equivalent of saying like, look, I got to fight a guy in the parking lot of this Bieber show. I may as well go watch three hours of Bieber first. It just doesn't <laughs> add up. Unless you go and take care of the horny moms coming out at first and then go fight. Baby, baby, baby. Oh. I never went to a police academy, except in the movies. But I'm pretty sure that when he the one policeman cuffed McLeod and had him against the car, there is no need to put a gun to his head and then cock the hammer. Again, 80s. not a, the 80s not, were different. Yeah. 80s were different in New York City. I'm my understanding. Speaking of police techniques, I didn't know it's customary to bring you in for questioning and then call you a faggot and asking if you're looking for a BJ in a parking lot. Kevin, is that the place, the best place to be cruising for dick parking lot at a sporting event? You're just going to keep playing this Kevin likes gay sex thing, aren't you? 
I especially am proud of the Joe Pesci reference I had in the JFK episode. Victor Kruger looks like Cody from Step by Step. Mm -hmm. By the way, this is the prison asshole guard in Shawshank for all of you people who are not up on this. Clancy Brown. McLeod should have asked him, do you trust your wife? (laughs) The last time I saw someone struck by lightning, a bishop was on the golf course yelling rat farts. I don't think the hard stuff's coming down for a few hours. Thank you. Hearing Connery say pendejo gave me douche chills. <laughs> it says fucking ludicrous. I'm Spanish, see? Hello, pushy. The, the face that these guys make after beheading an immortal is the same exact face I would make after having sex with the 1992 Jenny McCarthy. That's a toe and, that's, cur- and that's that's now. Yeah. Well, she's a little bit up there, but 1992 singled out Jenny McCarthy. Ooh, chef's kiss. You know, there are some great treasures of the art that never fade from uh, public joy. And I would argue, having been a big fan of The Masked Singer since episode one, Jenny McCarthy has reclaimed her spot on that list. Ooh, that, that's a lot of plastic surgery from a Groupon doctor. That's for sure. <laughs> How much raw dogging would you do if you were immortal? Answer a lot. He must have charcoal etchings of tit pics and then Polaroids and then regular pictures and then cell phone pictures of titties. And he spans the globe when it comes to having boob uh, illustrations. Mid 80s, right in the middle of an AIDS scare. And McLeod is the one person who can do coke and fuck without a condom without any regard. What a time to be alive. The age old question. If you're immortal. Why not just walk up to the Strasses of Berlin? That's German for street streets for German. Thank you to take out Hitler and take gunfire like Arnold did in T2 when the cops shot him up in the lobby of Cyberdyne. They take the route. He saves the girl from the German soldier, but it's like, wait a minute, you're immortal. You want to do the world a favor? Go snuff out the uh, the Fuhrer. Every fleabag motel needs someone sitting there and just mocking the desk clerk for comedy sakes. I love the typecast myself as said person. Thank you. Here's the deal. I had completely left out that bit. That was also perfect. The idea that this guy's entire motivation, this guy's entire life is to just smoke cigarettes in in a a by the hour motel and make fun of the dude who apparently can't do anything about it. Throw him out, kick his ass, anything. I don't exactly know why he just sit there and took it. But here's the deal. I appreciate him for it because I have a new role model after seeing this movie again. Being an old black man. <laughs> I, I do, Fans, listen up. I demand, I'm not asking, I demand that you buy me a Hey Russia, Up Yours t-shirt. <laughs> like the wannabe Punisher <laughs> guy had. <laughs> listen to Kurgan Rant in Church. Much more entertaining than eating those host wafers. That's literally eating. You're eating cardboard, people. Much more fun listening to that rant. I thought it's the body of Christ. Amen. Isn't that that what you weirdos believe? Excuse me. This is an atheist you're talking to. Although I did make my confirmation. Uh, Tying her atop to the uh, top of Silver Silver Cup Studios. Looks like someone couldn't get the rights to the Chrysler Building, World Trade Center, Empire State. This has the feel of being the seventh person to asking to go to a prom and just settling. Man. Thank you. That's just going with your cousin at that point. Truth. Right. 
this is such a the, the way he did that. It's such an old feel to it. Why not just tie her to train tracks while playing with your mustache? The swordsmanship looked ugh at best. The final <laughs> battle didn't wow me whatsoever. And that's what all these 80s movies are. Final battles. I mean, this is what all the side-scrolling arcade action games led to. The final battle. And this was is, this a letdown or what? I mean, to be fair, when you think about it, the fact that, who was it? Dolph Lundgren and Frank Langello in the Masters of the Universe movie Ooh. had a 10 times more compelling sword fight than what we saw here. A movie about sword fights really kind of tells you everything you need to know. And Frank Langello is damn near 65 when he's trying to swing that around. He died right after making that movie. Because <laughs> he didn't want to see Highlander. He was dating Angelica Houston. He wanted to die for other reasons. Oh. Zing, I get it. This movie is 35 years old. The effects are laughable. The music is, except for the opening song, is overbearing and misused. This this definitely influenced Stallone, the maker of fucking music video film. This had B-movie stink all over, especially the castle fighting scene between Ramirez and Kurgan. Kurgan's a very solid villain. Lambert is as wooden as, as a cigar store Indian. It's amazing. Uh, yes, I know the dialogue is laughably awful and hacky. I never had any attachment to this film when this was replayed nonstop on channel goddamn 11 nonstop. And holy shit, if you ever tried watching the second one, it's really bad. This movie felt like a big old can of RC Cola. Generic action film that left you unsatisfied and bloated. I'm getting Ray. It's Cola. good. You like that? Nice, nice shot out there. No, you, you give me an RC Cola ref, you're going to get me every time. <laughs> and how the fuck did this get a sequel greenlit when the studio lost money? <laughs> There's nothing remarkable at the, about this film ever. There's no scene where people always remember the scene in Highlander. Nope. No one ever fucking says that. This does not pass the remote test. And I will never watch this again. I promise you. Three and a half out of ten. It is a bore fest from go. Sorry, folks. You're all wrong. And I hate to say it, Ray is right. Mm. Kevin Israel, floor is yours. Before I, got, before I get started, Ray, what was your score for this? I would give it maybe a 2.5. You know, maybe it leans into three because of one man and one man alone. That, of course, being Clancy goddamn Brown. <laughs> it's fair. It's fair. So I... Loved this movie. I don't remember when I loved this movie. I couldn't pick a particular point in my life when I loved this movie, but I loved this movie. And I think I probably loved the TV show more. And maybe that just colors my influence of my opinion of how much I love this movie. But here's the thing on paper. Let's wait before I get into that. Let's 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 do a little role playing. Ray, will you will you will you, will you do a little role playing with me? I'll be I'll be the paladin. Not that. Not that kind of role playing. Oh, Put oh, your pants okay. back on. Oh, tease you. <laughs> Let's Ray. The setting yes. is we live in a world where this Highlander was never made. Great. This Highlander does not exist. Let's go. Okay. I come over to your house. I knock on your door. You answer. Yes. Hey, Ray, I'm going to go see a movie. I got an extra ticket. Want to come? I- I'd love to. What's the movie? Uh, it's a movie called Highlander. Oh, Highlander. Oh, so it's about. It's about like the Scottish, it's sort of like Braveheart, it's sort of like the Scottish kings and all that. 
Yeah, sort of. It's actually about this secret race of immortals who have been living about amongst us since the beginning of time. And they're compelled to find each other and cut each other's head off until there's just one. And that one will receive the ultimate power. Sounds interesting, doesn't it? I'll be honest. Uh, they're not vampires, though, right? Because you just described a lot of vampire uh, cultures. They, they, they are not vampires. No, they're just... Well, that's they're a just... knock against it, but it still sounds very good. That's right, a it does. It does. for a movie. I would love that movie. Right. That end scene. That brings me to my point. How'd I do? How'd I do? You did great. You did oh, great. We'll be, in, we'll, be, we'll be in touch. We'll be in touch. Your Oscars, your Oscars in the mail. You know, um, I'm SAG eligible if it helps. You know, this, this, that, so that brings me to my point. That if you remember this movie and what it's generally about, you're going to love it. Because the idea of it is great. And if they never made that movie and they made it today with today's movie making ability and special effects and just concept around these kind of superhero esque movies. It'd probably be a great movie. This movie. I was so disappointed. I haven't seen it in years. I was so disappointed to watch it because I remember, <laughs> I really do remember loving it. This, I compare this to cotton candy. I loved cotton candy as a kid. I had cotton candy a few weeks ago and I was like, how did I ever eat this shit? This is terrible. This movie is. Movie Cotton Candy. You remember it much better than it actually is. This movie's a mess. And you guys have covered it all. And I don't want to get into all of this stuff. But I would like to talk a little bit about Christopher Lambert's brow. First of all, how many rungs off the evolutionary ladder is this guy? His brow is so far over the rest of his face, you could stand under it while it's raining and not get wet. It terrifies me the fact that he got cast in anything is an abomination because he is just an awkward ugly looking man who would have been great as a geico caveman but beyond that he's really not qualified to be in anything and playing like this kind of like sexy immortal you know fighter who gets the girls is mind-blowing and i think that's specifically why in the tv show they went, the guy that played Duncan McLeod was like the most handsome man ever because they were like, you know what? The guy we had in the movies was just hideous. So we're going to have to go with somebody who's much, much better looking. And, and then if you, if you watch the TV show, which I think Ray and I are probably the only people on the face of the earth who actually we're did, uh, Connor McLeod ends up showing up in the TV show a few seasons later because Connor, Connor McLeod and Duncan McLeod are obviously related, even though Duncan McLeod doesn't look at all like he'd be Scottish. He looks kind of like he's Italian or something. He doesn't really look Scottish at all. But Christopher Lambert is a, is a very strange-looking man, and it bothers me through the whole movie. What also bothers me as far as looks goes is, is uh, Sean Connery. They, they probably, I guarantee you there was a point where they're like, Sean, could you try to do a Spanish accent? And he was like, I am doing a Spanish accent. And they're like, all right, you don't have to do a Spanish accent. We don't have to do that. You know what we're going to do? We're going to get you some ridiculous garb to put you in <laughs> that will just basically say, look, he's a Spaniard because he's wearing Spaniard type clothing. And you're going to be around a bunch of, you know, men in kilts who have squirrel hair in their hair. Like, and, and you'll, we'll just get the point across. That's a great, like, that's a great, great point. Like, what do you think you see him and they go, well, this motherfucker is about to break out the flamenco dancing right now. <laughs> we're the, we're the castanets. Right. Obviously he's Spanish amongst these kilt wearers. Look, yeah. he's wearing red. <laughs> yeah. 
And I can't believe that even a, like a, a Spanish, a guy from Spain in that time would have been like, I'm traveling, you know, across the world. This is what I should be wearing. <laughs> like they had to have better travel clothing. It was absolutely ridiculous. And the fact that, and I mean, Ray covered it. The fact that he was a, an Egyptian Spanish guy who happened to have a Scottish accent and ends up in the Highlands and nobody's like, Oh, you sound just like us. You must be one of us. Like, why couldn't he have just been another Scottish immortal who like went and traveled around and came back? It made made no sense. Literally, it's right there. Make him Scottish. You're already all the other pieces are in place. This is the second head of Zaphod Beeblebrox. There's no point to it whatsoever. And it makes everything more difficult around you. Every every scene in Scotland I've seen Renaissance fairs played out better than the scenes in Scotland in this movie, like the battles and, and everybody's garb. They, I, they, I think they just went to a Renaissance fair and was like, you guys are all in the movie. We're going to, we're going to be filming tomorrow. Just stick around. How dare you? 1986 Scotland is a Renaissance fair. (laughs) I happen to have that on good authority. I, be- I believe you. I believe you. The fighting they in this actually, movie. They actually had to get Sean Connery to stop wearing his Star Trek outfit uh, at the at Scotland in order to like ruin the mystique. <laughs> the uh, the fighting in this movie is uh, an uh, an abomination. It's painful to watch, I, and I and I do. I remember it's I, it's like the Mandela effect. Like I remember the fighting being great in this movie. Like, I remember being awesome. And then I watched it. I was like, I could have done better. Like, me and my dogs could have choreographed a better fight than these guys, than any of these fights, any of these fights. And as far as, and I do love, like, sword and sorcery type movies. But is an erector set sword really Kurgan's best idea? Like, I know, I get the idea that they were supposed to be this cool briefcase and he puts together a sword. But is that really, is that sword really going to hold up? To, to 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 real hardcore sword fighting and then he puts it together and there's no seams there's just there's no there's no sign that it was ever put together because you know what it's a different sword because thank the idea you of the- mentioning that thank you so much he brings out a sniper rifle case <laughs> and puts a sword together that as you said there's no seams it's just a different thing entirely right. that must be the magic of the highlanders and speaking of their swords i get that you're you're all wearing cloaks or capes or trench coats there's no sword in them you wouldn't you would not be able to hide a sword in it even in a trench coat especially not a full-blown katana like a full-length katana you would still see somewhere in the coat my wife and i watched it last night and she she was falling asleep but i thought she was asleep and i just hear her go where'd that sword come from (laughs) and i was like it was in his coat she's like that's ridiculous But the movie, and again, this movie had such, the idea of them like cutting off each other's heads. And then when they do, this power is released and and it does, it looks like an orgasm. There's nothing else to explain it. And even if, and at least if somebody made the joke, if somebody just, if there was just a little self-awareness and somebody was like, yeah, you know, it feels like you're coming. I don't know something, just acknowledge the ridiculousness. But it, the whole movie, it really does on paper. It plays that. It seems like such a great idea. And it, and in, in effect, the movie was terrible. And and Kevin's numbers that he told us totally make sense. Because this movie's so bad. And I, re- I do. I remember loving it so much. And it was so disappointing. This is one of those times where this podcast really ruined something for me. Because <laughs> oh, no. I just wish I could have left it in my memory. It was perfect in my memory. It was it was perfect. Kurgan, I will give it this. Kurgan's a great villain. Mm-hmm. He's an awesome villain. He's 
imposing. I like his voice. I like the whole scene in the church where he's like, he goes ah, or whatever to the nuns. Like I, that was all great. And it was all great. 80s kind of overacting. Like it was great. Everything else in the, this movie is awful. Christopher Lambert is a Lambortian. He, <laughs> he the, no wonder he never got really cast in anything again because he can't act. And I actually didn't mind him as Raiden. I thought he was okay as Raiden. I, I realized Raiden. that I realized that there was just goots of fucking cultural pro, cultural appropriation there. You, but I thought on, it was a, one, one second. Do you know? So he was cast as Tarzan, Legend of Greystoke, and he didn't know English coming to that film. And that's oh, why they had, they had him in the I completely and, forgot that he was he, in that. Yeah. And he learned, I never saw that either. He learned to do it. And this is where it's like, he has very minimal dialogue. And of course, later on he does, but yeah, he didn't know English for the longest time. So, wow. And that's right. And you know what? He made sense as Tarzan with that fucking brow. Cause you can yeah. believe that he was raised by apes. You know, one could actually make the argument. He didn't learn English for this either. <laughs> <laughs> so look, unfortunately this movie just, it, this movie did not hold up at all. This actually is really, really, and I think they are talking about a reboot for this. Um, I just don't know in this day and age with everything that we've seen, all the amazing movies and concepts, that this will really stand out unless they get an awesome cast. But this, yeah, this one is should have stayed in the in the in the X Files and never come back out. It's a four for me. Now so I can for- see this. Like the thing is, you say it. it, it- with better effects, with a more modern thing, they had three more cracks at making this as special effects kept getting consistently bigger and better. I mean, some of these came out after Terminator 2 did, which changed the world of special effects, Mm -hmm. as we all know. And yet, one thing stays consistent with Highlander movies. They're all boring, and they're all (laughs) trash. I don't think I ever saw any of the others. I think this was the only one I saw. I hyped myself up for Highlander 3, saying, okay, you got Mario Van Peebles. I I saw that one, too. You got modern special effects. They're going to nail this. They're going to get... And I was, like, sitting there 40 minutes in the movie the same way I felt watching Phantom Menace in theaters and just (laughs) going, oh, shit, this is bad. Oh, no. They got me. Just when I thought I got out, they wrote me right back in. But you know what? The fourth one. I love the TV show. There are some great themes, some great acting. That dude is very handsome. Kevin, you nailed it. They're going to bring him in. This thing's going to be an ultimate showdown. And I'm sitting in that one 25 minutes in going, oh, shit. They got me again. This is not good at all. And you know what? I can get Goatee to watch the TV show. If you can find the original, because it was a European show. If you can find the original Euro versions, every episode, Duncan McLeod has full frontal naked sex with a with a beautiful woman. And then they just they at least one You Sometimes there was two. And they would just edit that out for the American version. I don't <laughs> but I caught a couple. There was there always go. some hot naked woman featured in the movie. Every episode, he he had another love interest. Oh, he's slinging dong. Sounds yeah. like a good old cup of tea here. <laughs> Critic, critics five star reviews. 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 It's easy oh, to boy. see why many love this picture. Great premise, fine action scenes, a score by Queen Connery. But just as easy to see why many, why many despise it. Cheesy production values, stone faced Lambert, ludicrous supporting characters, thudding dialogue. What? Thudding. That was a five star review. It hated it. Yeah. Well, they could, they said you can, they see why you can love it and hate it. I just copy and paste, guys. I don't do a fucking design. It's three stars. dialogue. <laughs> Here's five things I liked and five things I've hated. Five stars. That's not how stars work, idiots. 
Highlander is the visual counterpart to rock band Queen, who supply a number of songs in the soundtrack. Big, brash, and operatic filmmaking of the highest order. Whoa, boy. (laughs) A clumsy, a bit clumsy in spots, but Highlander is a thoroughly entertaining action fantasy picture. Who wrote this? Grandma Neville? (laughs) 87, eating Fig Newtons? (laughs) She got some Werther's original kick in yeah. there. Uh, what I would say is you notice even the people who love it give it five stars point out its massive flaws. Yeah. They, it's like it's like being a supporter of Hillary Clinton. You can't just say, I thought she had some good ideas. It's always, well, look, I'm not a huge look, I'm not a huge fan, but I I gave her the vote. Don't give it. It's embarrassing. You either liked it or you didn't. Highlander's plot is one of the most original ever filmed. I mean, fair. Here's the deal. That is a factual statement. I will stand behind uh, true, I guess. Bonus fun fact. Some kid wrote that in his scene in his film class. His professor loved it and got shopped around to six different agencies and it got picked up. So a college kid wrote this film. It shows. Oh, that explains the complete lack of talent or through line through any of the narrative. And as a film student, that hurts to say that as a college student who tried to be a filmmaker. And now I'm in corporate America. It's all here, folks. Fancy wipes expressionistic angles, quick close-up, quick-cut close-ups, stylized backlighting, camera moving, camera moving, and endless endless illogic. I don't know what endless illogic means. I like that the camera moving is included. Yeah, Camera moving? Oh, shit, is this a motion picture? Oh, goodness me. If you only wrote down, it's a talkie and a damn good, a rootin' tootin' good one, too. A train goes right at the screen. You'll be riveted. Since none of the characters make sense, even on the movie's own terms, Highlander keeps on exploding for almost two hours with nothing at stake. (laughs) Connery, on the other hand, is a welcome sight. It is director Russell McCahey's style that doesn't work here. Or in snuff porn. (laughs) You know, I hadn't thought about the fact nothing's at stake. The one character who's going to survive all of this is the one who wishes he was dead the whole time. Great. We got sunshine and Mr. Rainbows happening through the end of this movie. We get it. You're Dracula without the vampirism. Got it. (laughs) For me, the worst movie of the 1980s. Wow. Wow, That's a, uh, there's a lot of very bad, bad 80s movies. Yeah. I can't even get behind you in that statement. Uh, uh, (laughs) And I don't like this movie at all. (laughs) Some of them were made by John Hughes. (laughs) Whoa. (laughs) Yes. Pretty in Pink, Weird Science, Breakfast Club, line up. You're right up the bat. Joins Peach Dragon, Condor Man, an unidentified flying oddball in the category of films better remembered than rewatched. I I don't agree with his choice of movies, but I agree with his sentiment. Peach Dragon is fucking terrible, both the original and the remake. That is unwatchable. He both, ugh. Wasn't, it a, I, wasn't Pete's Dragon a cartoon? Yeah, it was in sec- 77, I think, and they had a remake with Bryce Dallas Howard, I think, in like 20, 2005. Oh, I, yeah, that was bad. That was bad. But the original is terrible, too. Ama- Disney went through a long, dry spell, pretty much until Pixar. A- or, sorry, Aladdin. Amazon, five-star reviews. Actually, Little Mermaid was before that. Amazon, five-star reviews. Five-star reviews. Amazon five-star reviews. Highlander was a great movie in its day, and it's still very watchable, but I'm not going to take 
about the movie so much, but more about the first critic that critic that shows up in the review list, or at least mine lady liked the movie when she was younger, but now she says it's blasphemous. If you saw the movie before lady, why not? Did you, why did you watch it again? That's a sure ride to the H E double hockey sticks. Ain't it lady? Ain't actually judge not lest ye be judged. Right. How about just pacify? What is happening? There is a whole that guy brought some baggage to that review and something hit him the wrong way because of about five different things that went wrong in his own life over a span of decades. Get help, that guy. And the same goes for you Nimrods that give out one star reviews just because the movie is not in quote letterbox unquote and other 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 like silliness review the movie review the movies sign the guy who wrote us a five-star review and said we cuss too much <laughs> he references letterbox so that must be a review from 1994 that's outstanding i didn't even know amazon was a thing back then oh wait yes i did it was oh boy very very upset i have ordered many dvd movies we don't need to say movies we can just say dvds but this Highlander movie and my previous order of Maximum Overdrive were both defective oh, and would not play. I, I never, I ne- wait, it gets better. I never received Tales from the Crypt Demon Knight. Three shots. Oh, oh, God. Classic. It's the, De- the Dennis Miller, the Dennis Miller Crush Fest. Are you kidding me? Let's no, do this. Isn't that, oh, wait, Bordel- is that Bordello, Bordello blood? blood? Here's the deal. They're both so good. I'll double feature them right now. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> I legit like Demon Knights. I I, you know what? I saw Demon Knight in the theater, and so I can I. tell you one thing about Demon Knight. <laughs> I, got I, I got it for five bucks on Amazon, and I can tell you. Remember that Jada Pickett Smith is in this. Ooh. See, I don't even remember that. I don't, I don't even remember. I, 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 saw, remember. I saw it hard back in the day. I will say, I remember nothing about <laughs> uh, uh, was it Demon Knight. I remember the only thing I remember about Bordello of Blood is Dennis Miller looking at the camera and being like, <laughs> like, that's it. That's the only thing I remember. Maybe there were some boobs. I, there were there was, it was a bordello full of va- vampire Billy uh, Zane. Yes, yep. And I remember. <laughs> and listen, the ba- and I, I remember laughing my balls off like a maniac to this, where the one guy is having sex with the hooker in Demon Night, and he goes, "Oh my god, turn off the battery! My nipples are starting to smoke." Laughed like a lunatic. <laughs> <laughs> Still funny. Uh, three strikes, you are out, Amazon. I will never order, order movies off of you again. I'm more impressed this person had the balls to admit they bought Maximum Overdrive and Demon Knights. And you, know, I, you know what? I would argue Maximum Overdrive, much like Highlander, if you just said the premise out loud, you'd be like, that sounds like a pretty cool movie. But then you see the movie and you will disagree with yourself nope. afterwards. It is the epitome of 1980s action films. Simple, stylish, fast-paced, excessive, a bit corny at times, but filled with tons of epic choreography and top-notch adventure. It started a franchise that spanned decades, and it did so for good reason. Oh, boy. (laughs) Next one. No comment. (laughs) Okay. And yet, you made a a comment. Next one. This is is, anyone saying otherwise is too low IQ to get it. I bet this person has the VHS, the DVD, the Laserdisc, the 40 millimeter print, Blu-ray and digital copy of Highlander 2, The Quickening. (laughs) Next review. It's lit. Signed, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Wow. Big fan. (laughs) Big fan. Yeah. Amazon one star reviews. Amazon. What's our reviews? 
stupid Holly weird trash. I once loved, look at the puns, you punsters out there. See an improv class. I once loved this movie, but I am older now and view it differently. Violence, crude and perverted behavior, taking the Lord's name in vain, profanity in church, sex scenes, as well as elder abuse. By the way, let's pause for a second. How come that old lady felt the need to crawl out of a moving car when he kidnapped, when Kro- Kroger kidnapped her? That was, uh, you know, I was asking myself that same question. Uh, one, you could just use the door. Right. Uh, you could just get right out. He did get in the other side after ripping the entire top off. In fact, I would even argue the second the driver was removed from the car was a perfect chance to get out of the automobile, but not necessarily crawl through the new sunroof and onto the hood. I don't think that's what a logical person would do under any circumstance. Instead, she decided to shriek in his face for three minutes as he laughed maniacally. Uh, where am I? Also silly. I found myself rolling my eyes over and over. What is the point? No mirror. No mere human is immortal. This is pure fantasy. Someone's idea of entertainment. I discourage you from wasting your time watching a man carouse around with crazy eyes and a sword and a sword cutting people's heads off. No point. No redeeming value. Definitely not a family movie. I turned it off. Frowny face. I want to hear this not guy's a family movie. Wow. It's rated R dummies. I, I, I want to hear his review of Lord of the Rings. I don't think orcs exist in this world. One star. Guys, Star Wars, the force. You can't choke someone by closing your finger, thumb and your, and your forefinger together. That doesn't yeah. work, does it? Only Silence of the Lambs, not a family movie. Thank you. <laughs> the, the only way to watch this movie if it is on Mystery Science Theater 3000. So terrible, beyond belief. It's many fans must have low IQs. IQs uh, being called into question a lot here. You know, I, I, I disagree. I think that, the re- again, the reason people like this movie is because they saw it when they were younger and didn't know movies could be bad, and they took that with them forward, and they just haven't revisited it. I can't imagine, you know, so I don't, I don't look down on people who haven't seen Highlander. I just asked the question, when was the last time you saw it, and how close were you to the age of 15? And the answer is always, that's the last time I saw it, and I was goddamn 15 years old. So I, it's just ignorance. Uh, from having not revisited a property that, quite frankly, Kevin Israel, you could speak to, they're doing themselves a favor. I realize the Highlander series has somewhat of a, a cult following, but this was the first time I've ever watched it and cannot understand how everyone flips out over this trash. The dialogue is so stinking, goofy and stupid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The only redeeming quality is Sean Connery. And his gorgeous red duble. Aside from that, it is 80s peak cringe. And for only for those who grew up on it, signed Joan and Melissa Rivers live from the red carpet. Wow. Get a celebrity <laughs> endorsement like that. That's exciting. One from the grave on top of it. <laughs> well, this is probably written before that. Or was it? <laughs> or was it ghost written? Oh, oh, oh. Ah, Kill ah. me. Kevin Israel did race to Canis, got the sacred cow. Before I tell you that, I will let you know that there is a reboot for the entire franchise in the works with Henry Cavill tied to it to play Connor McLeod. When's the release date? It's not even there. Pre-production? There's. It's not. I don't even. It's not even pre-production. There's just still has time to get out. There's just some talks of it and a few articles with it with him tied to it. He's already made. Uh, He's already made one bad uh, few, few choices called Superman. All right, that's one bad choice. Made him a lot of money. 
It did. I was going to say, I, I, you know, looking back on it, I gave him more crap for playing Superman than I think he deserves. Sometimes the source material just doesn't give you a lot yeah. to work with. He was a great Superman. Were, yeah, I think he was a great just Superman. A, just the yeah. film sucked. That's it. He was fine. I had no problem that's with him. That's it. Yeah, yeah, that's just it. Like, just because the writer doesn't know what to do with Superman doesn't make it Superman's fault. He's a great right. character, you know? So, uh, you know, and, and he proved he could act in The Witcher. So anything Witcher's that I saw, great. Yeah, anything I saw him in that I was just like, oh, I don't think this guy's very good. I saw Witcher. I was like, oh, I don't know. And I'm like, oh, I take everything back. He's very, very good. And I've been wrong this whole time. It's the material let him down. Yeah. Oh, he's a good. He's he's a solid actor. I think it was great in Fallout. He was a good villain in Fallout. Mission Impossible. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Love that film. Kevin Israel did Race the Canis Cut the Sacred Cow. Not only did Race the Canis Cut the Sacred Cow, I want to say, and this is my opinion, that this was one of my favorite guttings in oh, our wow. hundred plus episodes. Do tell I, why. I really enjoyed you. It was it was it was well formed, well argued, entertaining, funny, and you had a couple of tangents that I enjoyed. You hit you hit all of the buttons for me, man. man. You hit you 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 found my you find my honey pot and you went right there, buddy. <laughs> And the fact they ruined your childhood on top of it—that's really just a sweet little cherry. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, like adolescent Kevin is just crying in the corner, <laughs> wishing terrible things upon you. But forty-five-year-old Kevin really, really appreciated it, and uh, and doesn't doesn't listen to adolescent Kevin anymore anyway. Wh- which was a wh- which was a worse kick to the taint rewatching this one, Israel? This film, Highlander, or Batman Returns? Ah, oh, that's tough. I think Batman Returns. Because this one I haven't seen in so long that it doesn't necessarily surprise me that it w- that it was terrible. Batman Returns, I genuinely went into that thinking it was going to be great. Me too, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, at least you get Michelle Pfeiffer in the Catwoman outfit in Batman Returns. So you have some watchability regardless of anything else. Yeah, it, it was just so, so much worse than I remember. It's almost like I saw a different movie all those years ago. <laughs> Uh, I will co-sign on that gutting. Unfortunately for Ray, the first gutting with Transformers still, uh, he's batting 500 here, but this one was... How dare you? How (laughs) dare you lie to my face like this? You can give me good news, Kevin Guti. You can tell the truth as you've said to me many times. I am batting a 1,000. You are not, uh, says us in the audience, but it was, listen, this, 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 listen, for all you out there, and Bill Schultz, take notes. Love you, Bill Schultz. Uh, Take notes, people. This is how you do it. This is how how you do it on this show well prepared comedic theatrical that helped yes and, uh you know not uh not too hard in the eyes either right ladies no. for, for all eight ladies that listen to us appreciate and, that and you're a good role player so uh <laughs> thank you i've had a lot of practice yeah, a lot of practice <laughs> uh Racy Canis, tell the folks what you're up to, where we can find you. Well, you can find me, of course, on the Who Would Win show opposite James Gabsey, who you've also heard on this uh, wonderful program. We've just finished our showdown September of matchups everybody's talked about a million times. It's a show about two characters from the worlds of comic books, sci-fi, and motion pictures, video games, uh, talkies. We, we really hit all the bases. And we, we argue who would win in a fight in the three rounds of debate. It's entertaining. It's spirited. It's a lot of fun. Both Kevins have been judges on the show before. 
Unfortunately, Kevin Guti, and the reason why he says I'm batting 500 is because he himself is batting 500. He <laughs> named only one of those two matches for me, and so I've been holding it against him. So I understand the game you're playing, Kevin. Don't you bring those parlor tricks in here. Yeah, I got to get back in there. You do got to get back in there. That's a fact. We're going to have to work that out sometime in the near but what I would also say is you could also check out Knowing Is Half the Podcast. That is my other show, the G.I. Joe Recap Show. We started off only talking about episodes of the cartoon G.I. Joe from the 1980s. We've now done G.I. Joe, G.I. Joe Season 2, G.I. Joe 2 Seasons of the Deke Era, and now we're on G.I. Joe Extreme in the Jesus. mid-90s. <laughs> uh, we're going all the way through. We got Sigma 6. We got, oh my gosh, there's, there's more. There's a Resolute. There's Renegades. I'm forgetting some. There's a lot more G.I. Joe than I ever knew existed, but we also... Break that up with other uh, wonderful cartoons, I lie, of the 80s and 90s, and we sort of gut them in our own fun way on that show. That's Knowing is Half the Podcast, anywhere you find your podcasts. I'm happy. online at Almighty Ray. I'll say that, too. Why not? I'm happy to admit, I don't know what channel it is, but I have an alert set on my DVR where I catch old G.I. Joe episodes. It's on, like, Family Something Channel, whatever. And my daughter now watches G.I. Joe with me. And I got her yelling, Cobra and Yo, Joe. And, boy, 80s Kevin is just glistening. What, a, what about Cobra? <laughs> she hasn't watched the movie yet. It's funny because, oh, today we were I was cleaning up from dinner. And she says, Daddy, why does Cobra Commander wear a mask? We find out why in the movie. She goes, there's the movie. And what a ridiculous reason. (laughs) I know. I know. You know, we we chatted it up with Buzz Dixon, who wrote on the original G.I. Joe and also wrote the movie. And he was not happy with some of the choices that ended up shocked. Cobra La was supposed to be a placeholder name until they found something better. And he'll often tell the story, you know, uh, when you're doing placeholder titles in the future, you have to name it Mount Puss of Fuck Mountain instead of Cobra La (laughs) to guarantee they don't use your original idea. Not not enough Big Lob in the uh, future G.I. Joe seasons for my liking. That man was a gem. Love Big Lob. You give me all Big Lob. You know why? Because Big Lob makes his move. move. (laughs) Love it. Good old day. (laughs) Kevin Israel, how about you? What's uh, where can the world go to find all things Kevin Israel without luscious hair and beard? Ah, Kevin. I know. I need a haircut. KevinIsrael.com for my comedy schedule. Um, I'll be around uh, until. The first week in December, when then I will be a father. So I have to take a couple weeks off to oh. get to know this person and see if I like them and if they can stick around <laughs> or if we're going to have to make them hit the bricks. But uh, yeah, KevinIsrael.com for dates. And please go on your podcast platform of choice and leave us a five-star rating and a quick review. We love it. It means something to us. And you can be featured on social media and on our podcast. We'll talk about you if you leave something extra nice, extra special, extra funny, just to be extra. Yeah. All that. KevinGoatee.com, where you find my NFL picks and my daughter eating cookies while she makes the picks. And I assure you, I will not be betting on the Lions anymore this year. What a oh, waste dude. of cash. I hit him twice this year. And boy, that last one was a real thunderclap to the nuts. KevinGoatee.com, <laughs> Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. GuttingTheSacredCow.com. If you want to advertise with us, GuttingTheSacredCow at gmail.com. Or why don't you come on by? Kick a feet up. We'll give you a nice tea and just hang out for some good old chat and combos. How about that? Gutting the Sacred Cow on YouTube. Make sure you subscribe to that and tell a friend for Christ's sakes. The highest form of flattery or referral is when you tell your friends about us, kids. And that's how it works. Race to Canis. 
I appreciate the shit out of you. I wish you lived on the East Coast. We could hang out and have a few brewskis and uh, Randy talk if you know uh, if you smell what the rock is cooking. And, I mean, uh, isn't that at the end of the day what Netflix parties are all about? <laughs> Race Kadis, you can find him at Who Would Win. We love you to death, sir. Appreciate it. Everyone, take care. Good Have a good stuff, Bray. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.